Welcome to the Northern Critic Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam Shinobi. Uchi. Maybe Kanye isn't so bad, Simwaka. <laughs> Michael Novakshinoff. Pam Henshark. Did you say maybe what? I what said if maybe communism is not so bad. Maybe communism. I is heard not so baby bad. communism. <laughs> yeah. Baby communism. Oh yeah, because I, wow. I thought like, you I thought you were like baby communism isn't so bad. I was like, is that what you tell girls when you're on dates, or is that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but but it's got no wait wait it's gonna be me and Bay riding to the social revolution. <laughs> I don't think com- communism is the answer, but okay. Um, communism anyways. is when you beat strike breakers. <laughs> we have a guest <laughs> on this episode. Um, Wilfred, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> to our listeners. Hello, my name is Wilfred Sam King. Uh, yeah, so I know that that's that's a great way to enter this and and just like the movie it's it's it, it has depth and surprises right oh, uh, um i'm i'm a uh, <laughs> i'm a social entrepreneur and uh community leader so sam thank you for inviting me and everyone else thank you for having me yeah yeah no we're, we're glad to have you it's, it's a good time it's fun to have a new yeah. face and now that we've started video podcasting it's just nice to see our guests yeah. Instead of just yeah. Again. hearing their voices. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> for, for those listening in for the first time, if you are, uh, the Northern Critic Podcast is a film review podcast that focuses on audience or host handpicked films based off of plot, cinematography, casting, and style. Uh, majority of the plot points and, I guess, societal context stuff we review are based off of our opinions as your hosts and our guests on the show as well. Um, this is our 47th episode, so this is this <laughs> this is supposed to, supposed to be our Joe Biden of episodes. So how fitting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if the Joe Biden presidency goes like this movie did, I don't want to be around for 2024. Uh, Oh my goodness. On this episode of the podcast, we will be reviewing the 2018 comedy film, uh, Sorry to Bother You. It was directed by Boots Riley in his directorial debut. So this is the first ever movie by the director who made this. Um, it stars Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, um, Omari Hadwick, Terry Crews, um, and Danny Glover as well, amongst with all of Steven Yeun as well as a, a popular one in there too. Um, the film follows a young black telemarketer who adopts a white accent to succeed at his job, swept into a corporate conspiracy uh he must choose between profit and joining his activist friends to organize labor uh so that's right off the bat that's like this movie in a nutshell at first and i put at first in all caps because (laughs) (laughs) it's just it it still kind of follows that but fundamentally that's what this movie is about Mm -hmm. it's just they start piling layers of like surreal Surrealism. Well, surrealism on top of it. To, <laughs> and like, then let's add some, points, a, a right? smattering of genetic engineering. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it does say here <laughs> I, in the I film mean, description, yeah. too, there's a sci-fi element to it as well, apparently. So maybe yeah. that's where the sci-fi comes I wouldn't in. really say sci-fi. More just a whole lot of weird. Fever dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, Sorry to Bother You premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 20th of 2018 and was theatrically released in the US and Canada on July 6th of 2018. Um, It received praise for its cast and concept as well as Riley's screenplay and direction. Um, Currently right now it is a 93% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes Uh, and apparently they wrote the initial uh, screenplay for this during the Obama administration, but it it was meant to, but also not meant to be a specific analysis of what the United States would have predicted to have been under President Trump, um, 
which I guess in the original screenplay, they say something here about when they talk about worry-free. And apparently part of the script was initially supposed to say worry-free is making America great again. But they took that out because no. they didn't want to <laughs> they didn't want to <laughs> cause cause trouble. Um, and they said even when they did write that, they wrote that before Trump even made that like his slogan. Right. So it's just it was kind of fitting that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have just been a weird coincidence. That <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I guess let's at this point we can actually it. I, I do want to talk about how much money it made. I guess uh, it has grossed over seventeen point five million in the U.S. and Canada um, versus a production budget of three million. So it made it made definitely a lot of profit actually. So for a worldwide total of eighteen point three million that it made, so it made a profit of almost what fifteen million roughly. Yeah. About $15 million, roughly. So everybody got paid, essentially, is what I'm saying. So it's not that bad. Um, it was part of the top 10 independent films and also won Best Feature in the Independent Spirit Awards. Um, and this is an independent film as well, which didn't qualify it to win the Oscars that year. Um, I think that year, The Shape of Water won Best Picture that year. So, eh, it is what it is. And then Green Book won the year before, so... <laughs> Really slacking Oscars. Not to say this movie is uh, best picture caliber, but it, if with some tweaking, it could have been. It, mm-hmm. There's just too much strangeness to ever sort of be considered for the Oscars, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. So we can jump into initial thoughts whenever you guys are ready. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'm not so, that one. So uh, I, I guess I guess I could Uchi. tell I could tell our guest as well how initial thoughts too is you know we talk about how um, essentially our mindset coming into this movie was what like what kind of came across your mind when you first saw it what were you thinking was going to happen stuff like that um, I guess I'll go first um, no no let let me go you want to go first all right you go first. Yeah, let let the radical go first. <laughs> radical. <laughs> this podcast is gonna be Uchi and I one upping each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. The leftist radical of the group. This movie speaks to everything I love. It's a critique of capitalism. It's a critique of the American culture. It's a critique of the big man speaking of the little man. Even the weird plot twist of the horse people is a straight up critique of mm-hmm. how American workers are just essentially slaves and mm-hmm. animals to the corporation. And if they could, they would make you work literally 12 hours a day, no breaks. And you all, and we all know the reason why they don't do that is because it's against the law to make you do that. Mm-hmm. So going into this movie, I really did find it justifying when he did get his white voice which doesn't scare the white clients away because it's literally saying he needs a white voice to sell products. Mm-hmm. How true is that? that yeah. How many times have you seen your name appear on a resume, Uchindami, and they'd be like, Ugh, I, I just don't know if he's good enough. Like, <laughs> would he be good fit for the job? Right. You know? mm-hmm. And I've had this from experience myself. I've been on a phone call trying to help someone and they straight up didn't want to get help from me because of how I sound mm-hmm. and we all know it wouldn't be the same if I had a white voice you know <laughs> so that, that's very true yeah this movie <laughs> like the message of this movie I really enjoy I thought it did it well right I I, I like the way it critiqued American capitalism and mm-hmm. the culture that it brings as for the dark humor I enjoyed the dark humor. It was pretty funny. Like, was I knew you'd like movie. it. <laughs> like, I, I love when they start speaking in the white voice and it's like a complete change. Yeah. And you have these white actors coming in to do the white voice. Mm-hmm. I love the, I don't want to say the hypocrite nature of being of characters in this movie where you have Detroit saying, I don't like your white voice, mm-hmm. but Detroit has her own white voice. White, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie hits life on the head a bit too real on what it says. So overall, even with that weird random horse plot twist, 
I thought this movie was really good, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I I guess I'll go next because what you said as well pertaining to the white voice and how essentially even he him he himself as a character goes through points where you know they go to the bar and there's the friends around him who are like well like he's not really black like you know like they they talk about that too in a way and i don't know that already was real because they're like oh well he's just he fits the description of what like corporations or like what you know basically western businesses want where it's like we want that diversity we want that colored person or minority in our company but we want that person to be like a like a to like be exactly an, like us yeah like an assimilated yeah. minority into our company you know mm-hmm. what i mean and like it, it that's a thing everywhere um and he was just he just fit the bill because he was the kind of guy who like he wasn't perceived as being like the stereotypical you know minority that most people would think i guess society would think he is right he was very down he was kind of just sticking to himself he wasn't really out there um and then the white voice thing just came natural to him obviously maybe because he his upbringing or something like that you know so i found that interesting and also the fact that um (laughs) his his girlfriend like detroit was also I mean, which you talked about the hypocritical part, but I also noticed that her character kind of—I don't want to say she—she she kind of mirrored what what someone in the middle would feel in terms of like whether her thinking on if he would be a sellout or not, if that made sense, right? Because you ha- you have the people, especially in the black community, one hundred percent, where like if you do something, like oh yeah, you're definitely a sellout. Right. But she was still trying to be on his side. But towards the end, that's where she's like, OK, you know what? At this point, I have to agree with them. You're definitely becoming a sellout now. And that also hit hard because it's like these like obviously not of that magnitude. But I feel like to most black people at some point in time, you kind of get hit with that question where it's like, OK, if I choose to do this, am I really being a sellout? You know what I mean? And I mean, I feel like most people would ask themselves that question, even for the littlest of things like, oh, if I ditch my friends and go hang out with just my white friends, am I being a sellout? You know, you think about that. You're like, hmm, (laughs) should I do this? (laughs) You know, but I don't know. It was it was real. That's all I can say. This film was real. I don't know who else wants to go. (laughs) Facts. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll jump at this from a different angle because we've had two black folk talk about the white voice and that. So, I, I, what I took away from this movie was actually quite different. Um, to me, the biggest message that was sort of presented here was how it was about organizing specifically, right? About how these people were like coming together, and our main character was put into the position where it, he was functionally. Uh, a class trader, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he had been set, give, brought up to the top, and and then halfway through the movie, he was o- he was offered the golden handcuffs. And I really like that they the movie went there, right? Is mm-hmm. it legitimately said, this is what you've always wanted. You have found a job that you're good at. Mm-hmm. You have taken pride in your work. You have worked harder than everybody else and succeeded, and that was wrong. That was the movie. That was like the the message of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, it was just, it wasn't a very typical sort of uh, plot archetype, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the way that they presented sort of his journey a, as a positive one, despite the fact that he kind of succeeded at what he wanted to do originally, I, I really enjoyed the way they went about that. Mm-hmm. It was... It, it was uh, definitely a fresh take, and it had a lot more levels to it than I was expecting. Uh, and now, the one thing I didn't like so much about this movie that I do need to touch on is this was classified as like a comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't laugh once. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. I, I did not laugh a single time during this movie. I kind of like, oh, the, the white voice is amusing. But it never actually got a laugh out of me. It was not a funny movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It was a strange movie. It was very surreal. And I think to some extent, the surrealism undermined the message 
if it had taken itself just a little bit more seriously, maybe if the actors hadn't been overdubbed by white actors to the point where the desync was kind of screwing with me a little bit, I could have taken it a bit more seriously. Maybe if there hadn't been reverse centaurs two thirds of the way through the movie, I could have gotten behind it a little bit more. Um, I I have a question for you. But other though. than that, sure, did go you for it. did how like because I, I find the part where I laughed the most was when he finally got the power call like the power caller promotion and then he meets his like his the other black guy his co-worker friend yeah outside on his way in and like you know he's like i hope you come up in life and the other one's like and they're going back and forth and like the passive aggressiveness and i'm like that was real to me because i'm like there's so many times when <laughs> when people would tell you oh i hope you, well i hope you're happy like you've made it in life but like deep down you know this person wants to kill me you know so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's completely cutthroat. Yeah, I I found that funny, but I don't know. So I just wanted to know if you found that. I, part. It, was, it was just a little bit too like off kilter for me to find it funny because the whole right. time I was like watching with one eye half closed, going, <laughs> "What is what is happening here? What did I take before I started watching this movie?" Right. So, I I do think the absurdity of it undermined the quality of the movie a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Um. And that, that's maybe a personal failing. Uh, I'm certainly not going to fault the movie for it because it's a lot more memorable mm-hmm. than it would have otherwise been. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of my initial takeaways of it. All right. Okay, Wilfred or Pam? Who wants to jump? If you want to jump in, that's absolutely fine. I'll wait. It looks like you're ready to no, go. No, I'll wait. These <laughs> <laughs> two don't have opinions. She, was, she, she had a lot to say before we started recording. Yeah. So, um, oh, like like Uji and Sam, I think um, black people that can turn on the the so-called quote unquote uh, white voice is is a real thing, especially with my name um it really hits home because you know i've i've applied for jobs similarly to you uchi but i have a very old british British name wilfred sam king so and, and when they call you for an interview they hear my voice and it's not maybe they can't pick up any accent or whatever but when they do see me there's always that uh wilfred like that's you i found i i I, oh nice to meet you you know i i i I, i'm not gonna i enjoy that maybe a bit too much uh it doesn't happen as much now but because you know you can can do a quick you could do a quick google search but high school that was that that always gave me a kick but (laughs) Before I watched a movie and and as I was watching it, I'm I'm a big um, if I had a tin hat I would put it on, mm-hmm. but uh, I I love like multi dimension, multi universe. So when they said it was sci fi and all this thing, all this other stuff in the description, I thought to myself, I said, what if this is like prequel or an alternate world of uh, the Keith? I, I I don't think I can pronounce his name, but Cash in the movie. Mm-hmm. If this Cassian? is the alternate reality, Cassian, Cassius, yeah. What if what what if what if what if this is the Altian, uh alternate reality of him in Get Out? You know, before he got caught or before they okay. completely transferred his brain. So throughout the movie, <laughs> if anyone hasn't watched Get Out, I'm sorry, big spoiler, but you should have watched it. Years. That you know, like that's how he got caught finally like they pulled up took him and then they they switched the brain right mm-hmm. but I think like like uh everyone before me was strange but for an artist which is a director or a writer um sometimes felt like they were purposely making you feel unease mm-hmm. to try to metaphorically say that's how black people feel but hey that might be a reach it might not be anything <laughs> like that but yeah it, it was like what's going on whoa whoa 
but also I my biggest takeaway was um it highlight how not all black people think the same and I think that's really important and especially in reviewing it in 2020 it's an interesting contrast because um anytime you say a black person you're the only race or ethnicity whereby especially in america anyways you may not actually have an origin like black slaves their whole history has been wiped out so they are just black people in america mm-hmm. or black citizens in america whereby uchi and i are from completely different parts of africa mm-hmm. so we have completely different experiences and then you have western africa you have southern africa you have east africa and then you have jamaicans from the caribbean and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. so it's it it did shine a light on that a little bit but like michael was saying like it it just kept you so off kilter sometimes you were like (laughs) (laughs) i see the message here but we hit a a Larry, as they say, a left turn somewhere, and we didn't get back. We've, we, we've stepped into the twilight zone. I think yeah. everybody else in the room doesn't have a soul, but I'm not sure. So that's what I'm saying. That's if what we, I felt. If we had those tin hats and we were watching them, then we, you know we could we could say, ah, that makes sense. But, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> overall, interesting. I mean. If, if if the one if that's the one word ten out of ten interesting that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Madam <All> Pam. Right. <laughs> so I would I would love to say that I'm gonna come in here with a hot take, but I'm really not. Because <laughs> um, you guys know me, when I wait to go last, it's usually hot take, but it not this time. Um, I don't know how this movie made me feel. I think the gif I sent to the me to the group chat of the dog sitting there staring off in the distance and then giving the WTF face sums up <laughs> my reaction to this movie. Because you know what, like I didn't watch the trailer or anything when Sam suggested this. I just kind of did a brief little read and I was like, oh okay. Um, black guy in lower class America trying to make ends meet and work his way up the pole dealing with social words are escaping me, but dealing with the social, the societal problems in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've and seen that story kind of, before. <laughs> well, exactly. So I'm like, okay, I'm and like the way it started. And like, I thought it was really funny with the garage door going up. I think that was the only part of the movie that, that made me laugh. Um, and the white, voice dubbing that was that was funny the first few times and after that it was just kind of like oh okay um but i was really engaged in it and then the surrealism started Mm -hmm. and and then there was reverse centaurs which (laughs) took me right out of the movie it definitely had some really good plot points and political messages and things that i thought need to that need to be touched on and talked about especially in 2020 and is relatable to what's been going on the last few years um but like mike said label this as a comedy really i uh i didn't find it there was like maybe one or two parts that made me chuckle but i think this could have been labeled differently but and just like honestly those horse people that Stuff of nightmares. Like I literally saw, and I like paused it and just kind of gave up. Nice horses. I mean, I work like I actually work with horses, and I was just like, I don't think I'm ever gonna look at my horse ever the same ever again because just. I should should let our audience know that you only kind of meet the horses in the last maybe 20 to 25 minutes of the movie one hour and 21 minutes into the movie if i remember correctly yes. so because like... i paused it and i was staring at the timestamp, going <laughs> what is this exactly so we yeah. don't we don't meet the horse people until the end of the movie and that just like 
that's all we remember now, <laughs> or most of Nasty what we remember. Yeah. <laughs> that just covered up <laughs> everything yeah. before. And that's there. honestly kind of why I, that's why I jumped on the sort of like organizing themes that it had earlier in the movie too, because that was such a big part of the movie, and it's legitimately something I think that kind of needs to be touched on more in media because it's it's kind of suppressed, honestly, right? Mm -hmm. They really don't want people talking about that. You just have to look at the anti-union propaganda that Walmart, uh, Walmart does in the States mm -hmm. to get yeah. an idea of w what the sort of stigma against that type of behavior is in the US. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this was in a movie that did phenomenally well is actually important. Mm -hmm. But all we, all we could talk about is the reverse <laughs> centaurs. It has like these great political messages and messages about society and what's going on in the lower class and middle America right now. But then, like I said, those, those horse people is just—it's still the show. Movie and let's remove you out of the movie and actually thinking about stuff and just make you think about weirdly CGI'd stuff of nightmares and horse penises. <laughs> <laughs> because and, okay so okay. sorry uchi i'm gonna just jump on this really quickly the where i thought this movie was going is i thought this was our main character is going to make it big be successful lose his girlfriend because she's like a woman of the people and he's turned into a corporate sellout and i thought it was going to be a bad end that's mm. where i thought this movie was going my intuition sort of said this is a story about how this is an anti-climb the ladder story, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is a story that's going to tell us about how we should all work together rather than have this cutthroat mentality of climb the chain. And it, that I felt like that could have been impactful. I think it would have been a stronger movie personally, but it, it just went elsewhere. Well, it's like, I'm the ladder, ladder socially, but in life you are descending into chaos. <laughs> so, like, I do love the fact that because this is going back to the horses, the horse is a great <laughs> part of the movie. Because look at the American news cycle. Mm -hmm. It's literally 24 hours and the next big thing comes in, right? Mm -hmm. So this whole movie is about them organizing a union, trying to get better wages. But all and we've done people. is talk about yeah. the horse people. Because mm -hmm. that's the last thing that happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's literally the 24-hour news cycle. The best example is look at your boy Justin. He had a scandal just last year. But the 24-hour news cycle, no one remembers that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that, I, I that's the one part that I feel like needs to be talked about. Because you... Even the concept of what the horse people were. Because they were initially supposed to be, you know, cross-genetically engineered, whatever. They're, the horse people represent what the company wants. What that, you know, work... What, what was that? Work-free? Was that what that company was called? But essentially, that's, that's the ideal type of working investment that corporations would want. You know what I mean? Like if, like, obviously, maybe to not, not to the degree of like just genetic cruelty, but like guaranteed if someone today, I don't know, figured out a very reliable way of having, I don't know, robot androids deliver Amazon packages, like guaranteed 100%, a lot of like, delivery services would pick that over a human because they'd be like, well, at least the robot wouldn't steal packages and the robots can deliver like 24 seven, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then before you know can it, can I just say something? People, yeah. Even the most preliminary robot for delivering packages would be better than Loomis and DHL delivery services. Well, see, that's the thing, right? No like, that's, that's a, <laughs> see, that's the thing, right? But like, that's exactly how society is right now. Right. Ouch. Wait, 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 wait. She even said no shade at the end. No shade. <laughs> no that shame is the or no definition shade? of shade. <laughs> but that's, but that's, that's my point. That's said it. That's my point, exactly. Because even now, I know with even with uh, 2020 and COVID being a thing, now we're getting like skyrocketing cases of, you know, people ordering things online and then the delivery person maybe drops it off then comes back and switches it out or i don't know does something but then at the same time we forget that before all of these issues became a thing earlier this year amazon workers were actually trying to form a union and it was a big thing at the time Not even earlier even before the day <laughs> no no but i'm, I'm talking Yesterday. about even well, yeah well but they they've they've yeah. been because i remember when was it like in march 
where it was a, an actual big thing where like I would meet people and like some of my friends would be like, don't buy from Amazon. We're like, we're, we're canceling Amazon right now. No one use Amazon. And people still kept on using it. But that Amazon is just an example anyways. Yeah. But the point is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time, every time I hear you guys say Amazon is canceled, all I think of is the summer where I'm just like, hey, anyone want Starbucks? And then Poochie's <laughs> like, hey, Starbucks is canceled, but get me a peach lemonade iced tea yeah. or whatever. <laughs> That's the thing, right? So, like, but the thing is, everyone's still, yeah, everyone's still like, it's COVID. What do you expect people to do, right? But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so now that Amazon has almost become, you know, Amazon's like Facebook, where it's like everyone uses it and quote unquote needs it. I'm not going to say we need it because we don't, but like for, for societal context, we need it, right? So now that those Amazon kind of... is, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say Amazon is basically today's equivalent of Sears, Roebuck and Company, or the Bay, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Eaton's was 50, 60 years ago, right? Well, yeah, like, that's but they basically do... what it is. But where Amazon is different, or like where most of these companies now in twenty twenty are different, is like they're all of those companies put together and more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Amazon now is, did, did, weren't they just working on their new like gaming platform recently? I don't know. They're doing everything. But the, I build remember houses when now. Amazon yeah, exactly. was, was just books and CDs and that was all you could buy on Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you know, so with all of those things alone, we're having that. And like guaranteed, if there was a kind of automated way they could get deliveries out, they would, I feel like that's what the horse people were trying to represent, although not done very well. But it was trying to be like, okay, well, now what would be the, I mean, I would have preferred it better if they just found, if they honestly just used my idea where it's like just robots and then they actually just like fired everyone. And that would just be even worse. But that would be more realistic, if that makes sense. Um but I feel like, yeah, but I feel like maybe that's if they what had the... like really goofy robots that could have it wouldn't have been so strange, right? Yeah, they, they could have been a bit more creative in mm-hmm. that exactly. with the design, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where like I million dollar budget, I right? <laughs> yeah, three yeah. million dollar budget. <laughs> They, they just like got honestly, one of those horse masks. I was just going to say, I feel like some guy had a horse mask in his trailer on set and someone put it on and walked down and was like, hey, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. This is the plot twist. Oh, my goodness. But, but, I mean, even before we get to that part, the way this, I don't know, my at, by the end of this movie, what I was taking out of it was more or less, okay, what I understand, and I've understood this for a while anyways, but it's like you don't need to be the richest person on the planet to necessarily be happy, if that makes sense, right? Because then it comes to a point where you don't want to lose your sense of humanity just to, you know, make a little bit extra money to buy all the nice material things you want in life, if that makes sense, right? And I feel like that move, like this movie did a good job at portraying that, where eventually he didn't even, he didn't even have to, I don't know, because even at the end, by noticing that, I was like, he didn't even have to have to, move into like a better apartment high rise like downtown or whatever because what he did to the garage was like that was good it looked good you know what i mean like it's just the simple things that sometimes it's like well if you just maybe try to spice things up a bit in your own way like actually just and and again that's where his character made that growth right where like he kind of his self-esteem went Mm -hmm. up and his kind of viewpoint outlook on life kind of changed a bit and he started to realize the important things in life, which his girlfriend was actually telling him were the important things in life at the beginning of the film. Because she's like, well, you know, she's like, I love you. Like, your your family loves you. Even Terry Crews as his uncle was like, I'm your uncle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, want, he was always asking for rent money, but you could still tell, even as an uncle, he still cared about him. You know what I mean? Um, and you have the main character kind of realizing that in the end, you know, it, it, you kind of you don't want to make all the money and then push all the all the people you're trying to make the money for away. You know what I mean? So I don't See, know. And it's... I I kind of like that aspect of it. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sam. No, go, go for it. And like now that you like about the whole Terry Crews being his uncle is like even though like he wanted rent and to be paid back he was still like like you said showed he 
cared about him. Mm-hmm. And like, I appreciated that because like I grew up with the dad who like my parents busted their hind ends to give my sister and I what we needed. And like my dad, he will never say like, he's the kind of guy that is, uh, when everyone, when he talks, everyone shuts up and listen. Cause he doesn't say much. And he's not the dad that is going to give you a pat on the back, tell you you did a good job and that he loves you. No, he's going to be the dad that fixes your broke down old junk car or like checks the oil or make sure your air pressure is in there. And that's, I found that kind of relatable, right? Mm-hmm. In that movie. Yeah, So exactly. You know, so that, which is, which is what I thought was also kind of important. And then the relationships he also had with his coworkers, um, you had the other minorities, which he had the one other black coworker and he had the one other Asian coworker. And, you know, they're all kind of going through that experience together, if that makes sense. He, they became well, his work friends. They went out to bars later on and whatever. But even in that, you could still see the rest of them. They were dancing. They were happy. Like, yes, they were complaining that they were getting paid enough, but they still found some level of happiness within themselves. And I connected with that, too, because even with us, like our generation in general, even with me right now, where it's like, okay, I can do this, do this, do this. Like by the time I pay off everything I need to do for the month, I have a little bit left over. But then when I see my friends and I, you know, see people, see you guys, stuff like that, I'm like, you know what? Some days you're like, life isn't that bad, you know? Like you kind of feel happy that you have these people in your life. But then when you focus on the Oh my God, life sucks. You know, you know, is the the well, sun's see, gonna kill I, everything one day? It's yeah. I uh, appreciate that because, like, and that was one. There's, I'll touch on two points here. You mentioned about the when you're after you pay all your bills and you're like, I have fifty dollars left. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, hey, I didn't get paid for twelve weeks, and it was like, <laughs> I left long-lasting emotional scars on Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I was more broke than I was in seven years of university. Anyways, um, but like when I got to podcast with you guys, and I mean, I'm a thousand miles away from you guys. It just mm-hmm. made it so much, made my week so much better kind of thing. Cause it was like, oh, I'm seeing people I know. Um, but the other thing I noticed is like when they did that pan of the, um, the teleconference room or whatever, mm-hmm. do you notice that it was, I don't think you see one white person. It's all minority groups. And then white people are all in the upper management yeah. mm-hmm. positions. I noticed and, that too. And um, I think that touches on a really, really important aspect of society, um, especially with people, a lot more people going to university, getting degrees, getting higher education than there was 40, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. that society complain so much about people coming over from other countries and take jobs and i think we've talked about this in other podcasts Mm -hmm. um but it's like the people who are complaining are the people who would never want to do those jobs kind of thing is like so really because these people are coming over they're quote unquote taking our jobs but they're filling a position that you yourself would not want to fill. Mm-hmm. So how are they mm-hmm. taking your job? So or even in cases I just where they was... may be more qualified than you are in certain things. Well, that's well. exactly it. Because I know I met someone at Health Sciences who complained that almost all the doctors in Manitoba are like from you know India or like from Asia, or from Africa, stuff like that, and they're taking all the cool like all the good doctor jobs. And I'm like, but. But these are people who've gone to school for ten plus years. Like, they, they I was like, you, you want to be, you want to be a doctor. A doctor. Yeah, it's like you want to be a doctor, but you're only like in your second year of med school. Like, you got to work your way up, dude. You know. So, I don't know. Well, it's, and like, I, w- I just want to say wait, something. Good evening, and while we're on our break, we will like to tell you uh, where to find us. Um, you can find the Northern Critic Podcast on Instagram which is at Northern Critic UMFM. Again, that's at Northern Critic UMFM, where you can find uh, basically our social media following and a lot of stuff we put up every now and then per week. Uh, We're also on Twitter, 
which is northern underscore critic. Super easy to find. You can find us there too. And we do have a website, which is www.northerncritic.com, where you can find a full roster of all of the films we've reviewed, plus an online shop where you can get cool merch. We've got awesome hoodies, super awesome sweatpants, and much more, including iPhone cases, Android cases, stuff like that too. You could even get yourself a mug. Hey, I'm a writer, and when I like to write, I use a mug of tea, coffee. Well, I mean, tea is better, but that's just me. Anyway, thanks for listening in, and stay tuned. Let's get back to a regularly scheduled program. Okay. So... This movie is the greatest comment I've ever said. I hate capitalism, but I hate the fact that I have to live in a capitalist world more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I, I did say this movie made me want to strangle the personification of capitalism. So, so I assume sense. that was uh, Mr. What is his name? Lift or something? Army Hammer? Army Hammer? With a beard? Maybe. Oh, was that? Oh, yeah. I think that was. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting story, though. They actually cast him because um, they said his like just as an actor, he fit the description of the work boss that that always says, "I'm working hard to be your friend." You know, like he had that kind of personality where he's the he boss did. who's who's trying to be a friend of the of the employees, but really he's not. You know. So I thought that was that was. That's... He definitely captured like the dude bro CEO tech or tech CEO vibe yeah. really well, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it kind he, that that that's the fine. character he played, he had no soul. Yeah, it's just that simple. <laughs> um, and a very punchable face. Like, so. <laughs> that that was actually very good acting. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, like yeah. actually, we never really mentioned that, but this whole movie had some really. It had a good series of performances. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there was a single point in the movie when I went, like, uh, I don't really like how this actor's doing it. So maybe that it's a testament to how good it was. Mm-hmm. There's no point that it took me out of it. Right. Other things took me out of the movie, yeah. but <laughs> the acting wasn't it. It was, Yeah, exactly. It wasn't the acting. It was just reverse centaurs. This uh, movie had very good themes. Yeah. And I'll leave that statement hanging. <laughs> I would say I would say also because I guess we've kind of glossed over her character a little bit, but Tessa Thompson's character and her acting was fantastic as well. Like we've seen, oh, we we haven't really reviewed any like Marvel movies, but like we've seen Tessa Thompson in a plethora of just acting roles at this point. She was in Creed. She was. She plays yeah. Valkyrie in like in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Like um, I don't watch a lot of movies. Saying as someone on a movie watching podcast, I right. watch one movie a week now because of you guys. <laughs> <Right>. And <laughs> I've seen a lot more Tab- or Tessa Thompson than I thought I should have at right. this point. Yeah, which kind of like, speaks to how pervasive she is through these through this industry. Exactly. So she's. I, I'm actually proud of that. She's. She was in Joker in the. Jo- no, that wasn't her. That was Zazie Beats. Never mind. No. Oh, that was in Tessa Thompson. Yeah, that was in Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Um, she's but, a very good actress though mm-hmm. yeah exactly and like that even reflected in this too um, there was some kind of art house kind of themes in this too where like her earrings kind of thematically meant something <laughs> to the plot which I was like oh we're getting another yeah. un- unicorn like in Blade Runner but okay um, so <laughs> You know what, but that's fine because that doesn't impact the plot, right? right. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it as long as it as long as it's like a secondary layer. But right. don't try to feed the plot with that sort of thematic garbage. That, <laughs> ugh. Anyways, uh, uh, you'll get me going. Um, yeah. What else is I gonna say? And we'll but, waste the last twenty minutes with Michael spiraling. No. <laughs> All I was going to say is that. Tessa Thompson doesn't play the same character in each movie either, which is kind of nice, mm-hmm. right? Because we were criticizing Ryan Kevin Gosling, Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart from last. Oh, movie. Kevin yeah. Hart, right? Okay. He, he, yeah, because that's why Uchi didn't like him in Jumanji on the first watch through because he was just watching Kevin Hart, right? <laughs> Whereas all the other characters were actually like The Rock was in a a teenager in The Rock's body. He did a good job acting. Kevin mm-hmm. Hart was just Kevin Hart. Tessa Thompson doesn't suffer from that, thankfully, which is good mm-hmm. yeah 
And yeah, like and Lakeith as well. Obviously, we all like. I mean, Lakeith. I knew he was gonna be amazing. He's my man's Lakeith. He's always a good actor at this point. Like he's, I feel like Will Smith should just take classes from him. But I don't know, which is <laughs> ironic to say. But because <laughs> they kind of had a dig at Will Smith. And Mil- <laughs> yeah, Will Smith in this movie too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm not talking about a Will Smith voice. And again, that that whole concept of Will Smith not being black but also not being white it's a weird will smith is just will smith so i thought that was funny as well where it's like they added (laughs) he's in limbo yeah exactly uh but yeah i don't know uh wilfred do you have anything to say on your end yeah it's it's like i said at the beginning it was it was definitely a journey but you know i want to watch it again Mm mm-hmm I know uh, there's probably some shrugs over there. <laughs> like, why would you put yourself? Why would you put yourself through that again? But, um, Black Panther and and Get Out. I watched them the first time and I enjoyed them. Obviously, there this movie's not even at that level, but mm-hmm. there were things that I didn't notice the first time that I noticed the second time and the third and the fourth time, and I'm like, wow, okay. That makes a lot of sense. But I'd also like to read like the director's abstract or to see what he was trying to um, get across, what metaphors he was trying to dig into, what mm-hmm. social issues. I'm not sure if we touched on that at the beginning. I know you did in the synopsis a little bit, but it would be really good to hear why he did the centaur thing. So, so you're definite, <laughs> you know? So it's not... So we're not yeah. out here just... Trying to Jetting guess what we think, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and but, but co- like Uchi, like I'm not gonna lie, I, 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 I did, did enjoy the off kilter kind of concepts, and and there's pieces of it. Maybe not the whole package of it was great. Maybe it's like um, when you have uh, some bread and a few slices are moldy, and you're trying to figure out do you cancel the whole thing. <laughs> Or do you keep the the slices that are still all right, you know? Or does the mold add to it if you toast it? (laughs) Can you still eat it? I'm I'm going deep on this uh, analogy. I think that metaphor is very apt. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's the mold add to it. I like that. You're you're just or or you know actually what what it might really be is you didn't see the mold and you consumed it and then you're feeling all weird about it. <laughs> you got two thirds of the way through the loaf and then you notice the yes. mold. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, do I keep going? Yeah, I guess it <laughs> I'm gonna admit to something on air. I've oh, no. been oh, that boy. person. Moldy <laughs> bread, but it was cheese. There's no, no. okay. Cheese is different. Moldy, <laughs> and you can eat it. I didn't know. Okay, I didn't realize there's mold on one side of the cheese, and I was grating it on my pasta, and then I was like, "Why is that piece of cheese half green?" And I flipped it over, and it was just like, uh, "Oh no!" Uh, oops. <laughs> and it was That's not good that too. Jeez. When yeah. you finished cooking, <laughs> you are happy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess last thing. Like, uh, you... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say last thing oh, that no, I no, think I just... we should yeah. touch on um, is, I think we've talked about the acting. We've talked about the plot. Um, I guess, yeah, cinematography. That's That's the last thing, actually. What did you guys, the way it was, because I know usually yeah. with the telemarketing, you had scenes where like whenever he was in. Yeah. In a, in a phone actually, call, it's like he was get, physically there. Yeah. That was creative. I did like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, nothing stood out to me whatsoever except the really bad horse masks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not <laughs> visually stunning at all. What did, what did no. you guys think about the forehead? Because obviously a Coke can isn't supposed to do that much damage to your forehead. But what did you guys That's think about the, things It's like continuous right. bleeding and then it started to heal up when he started to switch sides kind of thing it was it was like tessa thompson's earrings right Mm -hmm. it was there's a metaphor level in there to some extent that you should or should not analyze if that's your thing and i I really i don't (laughs) i was gonna say sam 
Mm-hmm. If your uh, pop cans can't do that much damage, you went to university, right? You've seen <laughs> danger cans, right? No, no. Okay, I've okay. Seen guys let me knock themselves out with danger cans. Okay, let me let me rephrase what I meant. What I meant is obviously, like I've cut I've cut myself multiple times. There's no way. Like you would keep bleeding because he was bleeding for months almost, right? Like so that was obviously a choice, right? Was it yeah, months? This... I thought it was like a day. Because well, <laughs> days were the days were going by, right? Skewed. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay, days don't make sense in this movie. Yeah, there's a deeper meaning about the pub can and what it presents, but I don't have time to go into that right oh, now. Yeah, because at the end, they like the all the protesters do it, and it just it becomes a symbolic thing, right? So. I don't know. I thought that might be a thing too, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> so. so before we wrap up, there's sort of two things that I want to mention here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is because I, I tend to do a little bit of research after I watch these movies just to kind of get a sense of what public opinion was. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that came up after I finished this movie was uh, Brianna Joy Gray, who was the press secretary for Bernie Sanders, actually did a sort of a review of this movie mm-hmm. and she had some pretty good analysis on it because well this that's her political shtick right mm-hmm. and so that that was really interesting to listen to you can find some stuff on youtube and whatnot that's worth going through and the second half is i i think we need to talk about how the very last scene in this movie right oh, yeah mm-hmm. he was set up in like the the at the end, beginning of the third act where he was going to be like a Trojan horse. Oh, that's a terrible pun. Right. For the, <laughs> the, the, the labor movement among the horse people, right? right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, the way this movie ended made me go, well, is he actually going to do that now? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's something like that's something his character would consider doing because he's now trapped as a horse person. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it does like, he? Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Is he the controlled Martin Luther King of the horse people to get his antidote mm-hmm. and sort of complete the whole like traitor to his people kind of thing? Right. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's that, so that that's something to think about. That that's all I got. I'll leave it there. I, I see. <laughs> at that point, I feel like that's also on the part of the director or the writers to also be like, let's just leave this up to people watching to be like, okay, does he, does he go back or does he, you know, exactly. Yeah. And that's how I interpreted it. Normally Mm -hmm. I don't like open-ended endings. Oh, we know. I feel like we should really, (laughs) you should have a vision on what your movie is. Don't leave it up to the viewer. That just kind of extraction will always continue to be a looming shadow for that. Uh, So, trash um but at least the only time that it's good is when there's sort of like an ideology behind it Mm -hmm. which in this sense there is because it is a question you're putting this like really sort of tragic situation of it is in your interest to betray people essentially right right? Mm -hmm. to betray their trust and is that something that his that you should do is or that character should do and leaving the movie sort of open-ended in that way it's the first time i've ever liked an open-ended ending right yeah mm-hmm. i agree with that actually that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense yeah no that's pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah that's i guess that's pretty much honestly <laughs> we could spend even more than an hour talking about this movie like it's just, this is it's crazy um but yeah yeah um, I guess we could just do wrap up and talk about final verdicts, I guess. Um, so basically over here on Northern Critic, for those listening for the first time, we rate and review our films using a coordinate system. Uh, so we use North for good writing and South for bad writing. So if the writing was bad, it was South. If the writing was good, it's North, right? In a similar sense, if the acting, the cinematography, all of those things were good, it's an East and if all of those things were bad, it's a West. So a really good movie with good writing and good cinematography, that would be a Northeast. And if it was a bad movie with bad writing, bad cinematography, it's a Southwest. Um, and then everything else falls in between. So if it's good writing, bad cinematography, it's going to be a Northwest, right? So just kind of play with that as well. Um, similarly, Wilfred, you're our guest. So we will let you know, too, just in case someone blurts out the name of a country. Um, sometimes we use countries because as Northern Critic, we like to educate our listeners on 
places around the world. So we use the equator as our west and east and the GMT line that goes through the UK, right, all the way down through Africa as our north and south. So, you know, typically like a Russia would be a good movie and like an Argentina would be a bad movie. So and then we just kind of play with that, too. (laughs) But yeah, pretty much. Um, Who wants to go first? I'm going to go first Um. uh, because I, I... I'm giving this movie smack dab in the middle. This is this is right in the middle for me, mm-hmm. uh, because like sort of cinematography, acting, nothing standoutish, nothing terrible on the former and the latter. So, or reverse that, whatever. You get the point. Mm-hmm. It it averages itself out, right? Yeah. Um. So that kind of just leaves the writing, and on one hand the themes were extraordinarily strong in this movie right mm-hmm. it there's something a, clearly a lot of thought was put into the themes around it and sort of the questions that the movie was trying to ask but on the other hand the way it chose to, they chose to present these themes undercut sort of the point mm-hmm. so i felt the, i legitimately felt like the movie was working against itself and that kind of counterbalanced it so i just it it I, I can't have a strong opinion on this movie one way or another. <laughs> so yeah, square neutral. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Issy, Michael, and I both were going to start off with it. We're going first, so I guess I'll go second. Um, and I am also going to be real lazy and stick it right in the middle because acting was good, cinematography not so good, themes and plot points good writing let's just throw some bad horse masks and reverse centaurs in there so that sums it up to smack dab in the middle it's a big fat question mark it, it is it truly is i have no i i don't know how this movie is supposed to make me feel in all honesty yeah i have no strong feelings towards it mm-hmm so I am going to go, if, if we could just pick any country, there was no coordinates or anything, Switzerland in World War II right here. Yeah. <laughs> Very neutral. Okay. All right, cool. I do want to add, just to sort of tack on to the end of what I was going to say, though, is despite the fact that it's completely neutral for me, I still recommend that people watch it mm-hmm. because it's not, it's very engaging in, in that way, at least, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just, there was a lot of strong points and a lot of weak points. Mm-hmm. So watch yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Just be ready to take the bad with the good. Yeah. So essentially what we're still saying is Parasite still holds the record for best plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Parasite's the best movie. Yeah. Yeah. Parasite <laughs> is infinitely better. Yeah. Um, Parasite. What a movie. But yeah. This discount Parasite. <laughs> this is Parasite Light. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, wait, wait. I'm about to insult so many people. This is Parasite for white people. (laughs) (laughs) Diet Parasite. Um, All right. I guess Uche is going. I will give this movie a Slovakia. Okay. Unlike our two white hosts, I really (laughs) enjoyed this movie. And I think this movie is the Northeast, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, the cinematography is not as amazing, right? But I do like the scenes of him on the phone call. I like the representation of the being at the bottom of the social ladder. Mm-hmm. It's literally a basement with no windows compared to how swanky it is at the top. Mm-hmm. I thought the plot was pretty good, including the weird horse twist. It's such a weird <laughs> twist. And I just generally enjoy the message this movie is trying to push out there. Or maybe that's just my radical self-speaking. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, no, um, I guess I'll go. I I agree with Uchi. So this is a Northwest for... Sorry, Northeast for me um, <laughs> as well. Uh, Writing-wise, I you guys know me from time. Because I guess with each of our hosts, we have the things we like. I am the more art house, indie film inclined person of the group. And I feel like from that aspect of things, this film did a, it did, it, it paid homage to those of us who love, you know, the kind of Sam. storytelling through, you know, metaphoric or 
whatever. Abstract. Um, abstract, exactly. Like, you know, think, think of the plot yourself type scenarios. Um, so I enjoyed Sam, that. Sam, are you saying you're my, the most pretentious no. one of all of us? That no. That smarter than us? <laughs> We've had that this conversation like in a different... <laughs> bougie stuff, Sam. We've had this are conversation a on a different too? podcast. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Let, let's not lie. If someone here was going to be a class trader, it'd be Sam. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But <laughs> Oh my goodness. But yeah, I don't know. I, oh man, that was a brutal burn. Sorry. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's okay. I get it a lot. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's literally he called you white. That's literally my life in a nutshell. I hey, my nickname to all my black friends was Oreo when I was a kid, so that was always a thing. Um, but yeah, no. Your nickname now is Oluwa. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's more Nigerian, so I, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> um, See, I feel like the rule on Northern Critic is if we aren't roasting each other, you've gotta wonder what's wrong with one yeah. of us. It's like, are we? Is one of us sick? Are they okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, a Northeast for me, I, I loved it. Um, the, the, again, the only thing I maybe really had a problem with was the horse people. You, they could have used a robot instead or something else, but I guess budget wise, maybe. Um, but even then, like there was some aspects of storytelling in that too, um, where the audience has to probably decipher stuff for themselves or whatever. Um, but I would say the one reason why I really enjoy this film, and I would probably watch it again at some point, or even tomorrow maybe, is that the characters I found relatable and engaging. And I found their gro like personal growth stories and just the stuff they go through is also equally as relatable. Um, and again, the one, takeaway, the one takeaway I got from this film is I don't need to have a six-figure paying job to, you know, to be happy in life, you know? As long as I have something to just help me stay comfortable and still, you know, spend time with those I love around me, then that that's good enough. And that's what I feel like at the core, this movie was just trying to say, right? So, Northeast for me. So, I, I'm going to jump in a little bit here to sort of revise what I said again. Because now that you say that, I, I did undercut the writing a little bit. The writing was good in terms of the characters. The characters were very well realized it's just the situation they were put in was so bizarre yeah. <laughs> that it kind of it, it, it previous criticisms but i yeah the characters were very well written mm -hmm. in a very strange plot yeah. so well, i'm gonna bump the writing a little north actually yeah not quite dead center writing's good yeah all right our Open. guest <laughs> okay yeah so first of all thank you for having me and yeah. um uh this 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 has been fun and i'm just gonna plug a little bit to the viewers um so i have my own foundation it's called rising stars foundation and what we aim to do is we aim to serve underserved communities uh youth in underserved communities through mentorship uh programming um personal personal and professional development and we also have scholarships and bursaries, and it's called the Rising Stars Foundation. You can find us at risingstarsmb.com. So I just wanted to plug that. And overall, I think for me, um, if I if I have my space cadet hat on and and all. Uh, my heart on my sleeves. I think I can really decipher what is going through. But like, like I said earlier, it would be nice to get the director's take on or the writer's take on how they wanted what came across the screen to be played out. Mm -hmm. So I would give it a um, a Morocco. Okay. And um, I think I think that's fair. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's 
I think this is the type of movie though if I if I watched it three more times or two more times I probably would enjoy it more mm -hmm. but definitely if I had a little bit more context about the centaurs and that it just you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's shock value and then there's just confusion so I mean yeah uh, <laughs> that, that's well put that line that line was yeah that line was just not there so overall I think I think I enjoyed it, but once again, that's my personality type. I I, I love um, of uh, kind of quirky and odd videos similar to Sam, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, most of it. Yeah, the shock value was they saw the line, they crossed the line, <laughs> and they kept running. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Throwing. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Um, Wilfred, do you want to run your website through our listeners one more time? So just in case they might have lost it in your review, just, just again, one more time to. So, it's rising like I wake up and rise. Stars like stars in the sky. <laughs> M as in mother and B as in becoming like uh, <laughs> Michelle Obama. Dot com. It's yeah. a not for profit. Um <laughs> And we're actually hosting our, our our biggest program, which is called Tutoring and Training. It's digital now due to COVID. But if folks want to volunteer or donate, yeah, we accept all forms. And um, thank you, more than critics. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time having you on. Good, good time. Yeah, I definitely have to do this again. Yeah. You know, now that I'm a little bit more comfortable with you folks, yeah. I, I think initially my 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 first thought was, you know, it's their show, don't say too much kind of thing. So I was kind of hanging back, just listening, chilling. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you just have to, like, jump in there and just talk to <laughs> yeah. yeah. each other. <laughs> Especially with Discord, that, like, half a second latency is just brutal mm -hmm. because my True. first instinct is to stop when I hear somebody talking. But then they stop too, and so I've just kind of trained myself to talk over people, and yeah. I've become what I hate. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, well, thank you to those who listened in this week. Um, again, sorry to bother you. Came out in 2018. Go check it out for yourself. Figure out if you like it or not. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. We will see All you guys right. next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope you have a fabulous year. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have over. so many yeah. blessings. Yeah. <laughs> you smell good. What is that? Cologne? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> we will catch you guys later. Peace. All right.